This is Real Estate Rookie Show number two. But I said, there's got to be something for sale that's either off the market or not listed or for sale by owner. I I was like, I'm going to start talking to the mailman. I'm going to go to the post office. I'm going to talk to the nice people at the town. You know, these are small towns where I live, by the way, you know, only a couple thousand people max who live in these towns. So you talk to the butcher, like literally, or if you walk into the diner and start asking around, like somebody's going to know somebody who might be trying to sell something. You're listening to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ashley Kerr, and he's your co-host, Felipe Mejia. Ashley, what a great episode we have today. I love the way he talks about using his friends to help him with some of his builds. I know sometimes that might be embarrassing to ask for help, but I love that he just jumped right in and his buddies helped him. That's a good, that, that's good friends to have, you know? Yes, Tim is going to bring great value to everyone today. One of my favorite things was how he had a family member that experienced the 2008 recession and lost in real estate. And yet here Tim is, you know, diving into real estate and got his first deal done. Yeah, it blew my mind. I feel like he almost used that to, you know, do better. And then he also talks about a three month trip he took out, uh, you know, out of the country to clear his mind and get himself ready for real estate investing. I can't wait till our listeners hear to that one. Yeah, that is pretty amazing that, you know, he was gone, he did all this research and then comes back and gets his first deal right under contract. So it's a great story. I just want to mention before we bring him on that we have um, a great Facebook group for you guys. If you want to join in, um, just search Real Estate Rookie on Facebook. And every day, you know, Felipe and I are on there and we have people posting, asking questions and giving great advice. So we'd love to have you join us. And don't forget to call and leave us a voicemail at one 888 rookie and leave a question for us and we could play it here on the podcast. And we've had a, a bunch of people ask us, how do we get on here? <laughs> how do you be a guest? And we want to interview you guys too. So you can go to biggerpockets.com forward slash guest and fill out an application. Felipe, do you want to let them know kind of who we're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. If you have less than 10 deals, you still consider yourself a rookie and you're just out there in the grind, you still get those butterflies when you're buying properties, you're the type of person we're looking for. All right, let's bring them out. Come on out, Tim. What does financial freedom mean to you? More time with your family and friends, the ability to take that globe-trotting trip, or do you just want to sleep in until 10 a.m. every day with no boss to answer to? Real estate is your gateway to financial freedom, but rent-ready property management software is what keeps your free time actually free. From seamless online rent collection to custom applications, property marketing tools, and repair request tracking, RentReady allows your portfolio to run on autopilot. The best part is you can manage all your rentals right from your cell phone. And that's why RentReady is my favorite property management app around. I use it for all my rentals. Whether you've got one or a dozen doors, RentReady helps you streamline how you manage your rental properties to create a life you love in 2024. Now, Rent Ready is already included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com. And use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You dream of ditching your 9-to-5 and starting your real estate career, but with home prices and interest rates at an all-time high, you're not sure how you'll find a worthwhile wholesale deal or a quality rental property. Look, here's an expert secret. You don't have to rely on on-market properties to start making money in real estate. You actually can find off-market properties with homeowners who are motivated to sell right from your phone, tablet, or computer with PropStream. PropStream provides data for over 155 million properties nationwide. With more than 120 search filters, including pre-foreclosures, pre-probate, and bankruptcy, it helps you quickly find motivated sellers even without MLS access. Now, PropStream offers public record data as well as an MLS sales estimate with over 99% accuracy to help you get the most accurate comps possible. You'll also get lead automation, skip tracing, and marketing tools like emails and postcards to close more deals quickly. They even have a free learning academy to help you get started. Get 50 leads free with their seven-day free trial at propstream.com slash BP. That's www.propstream.com slash BP. Tim, uh, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Can you tell everyone a little about yourself? Well, thanks for having me here, guys. This is fun. This is my first time ever doing something like this. A little bit about myself. I am 28 years old. I live in upstate, but eastern New York compared to you, Ashley. I know you're out in the Buffalo area. Yeah, not far. Yeah, for those listening, uh, there's more to New York than just the city. A lot of people (laughs) don't know that, even Americans. So take a look at a map after this. But uh, I'm over by Vermont in a place called Lake George. It's a tourist town, so the economy and just Everything kind of revolves around the summer season here. I enjoy things like traveling, skateboarding, sports, all that type of stuff. And of course, I'm here now because I'm trying to dip my toe or jump straight into uh, real estate. So it's good to be here. Oh, man. Thank you so much, man. That's awesome. I can't wait to dig into all of that, especially skateboarding and traveling. I'm really, I know there's some great stories coming out, Tim. Hey, yeah. but let's get started on how did you get into real estate? Um, you talk about traveling and doing all these outside stuff and like all this, all this fun jazz that you do, but how, how does that come into real estate? Sure. So one of the things about this town that I live in is it's very seasonal. There's only about a hundred days to make any money here between Memorial Day and, and Labor Day. So if anybody who's ever been to the Jersey Shore or the Cape or any other seasonal town, or if you've ever been to Lake George, you may know if you come here in the off season, everything's closed, which means nobody's really making any money the other 
eight or nine months out of the year, myself included. A lot of people here have small businesses or they work for their uncle's pizza shop or their mom and pop shop, etc. And I'm no exception to that. So in the past, I have spent my winters traveling, you know, just to do something fun because I didn't know how to make any money the other times of the year. But now that I'm a little bit older and I'm starting to think, well, yeah, I, I should be making money, of course, as much as I can, but also during times when I traditionally can't. And real estate was starting to pique my interest within the last year in 2019, because when I would go travel for four or five or six months, I would just kind of watch my bank account go lower and lower and lower and lower. And then as soon as I would get back, you know, April 15th or May 1st, it would be right around zero. So it was time to make some money again. And it was just this cycle that I've been doing for the last eight years. And, you know, it's been good and so far so good, but I didn't have too much to show for it except for a full passport. You guys may know it's sometimes difficult if you used to being your own boss or, you know, used to kind of setting your own hours or your own schedule. The last thing I wanted to do was get a regular W-2 job. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but it just wasn't what I was used to or wasn't really even what I wanted to do. It would almost feel like a career change to me. Even if I was able, people, my customers always ask me on my boat, they say, oh, do you go down to Florida in the winter to go be a captain too? And I say like, oh, it sounds kind of cool, but no, I don't want to necessarily work for somebody else or, or even do the same thing 365 days out of the year, you know, 50, 52 weeks. So real estate piqued my interest for a lot of reasons because you are essentially your own boss. You're making money year round, hopefully, if you find the right deal and, and do it right. And then of course, you know, the classic example of making money while you sleep when I wasn't making any money while I was sleeping, even when I was working in the summer. So seemed to be a lot of reasons why it uh, piqued my interest, those included and, and some more as well. So is it safe to say that you were looking for a passive revenue so you could still continue your your winter lifestyle traveling and not being tied down? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Real estate, if done right, as I understand it, certainly does require some work and, and mm-hmm. you to be present sometimes. But it's, again, nothing like my regular job or a normal W-2 job. You don't have to clock in or physically show up nine times out of 10 or even most of the time in general. So myself, my my own example is, yeah, I, I like to travel. I like to mm-hmm. take off and go, go, to the, go to the other side of the world for a couple of months at a time. And this might be the only way I know that I could start making some money right away in the beginning and then hopefully long-term continue that as well. That's amazing. So you started on a boat, which is great, right? So someone, I'm assuming either you grew up knowing or learning how to do that, but when it comes to real estate, did you end up educating yourself? Did you pick up a book? Did you have a mentor? How did you get start self-educating? Yeah, yeah. So quickly, as far as the boat goes, like the joke around here is people learn how to boat before they learn how to drive a car. And I was telling you briefly early, Felipe, <laughs> like I would used to take my boat when I was, you could get your boater's license at 10 years old in New York State. So when I was 10, 11, I would just take my boat or my parents' boat to go across the lake to visit my friends rather than have my mom drive me all the way around the lake. Which Did you say like 10 years hour. old? Yeah, New York State. Yeah, I don't know what it's like in Tennessee, but you can get your motor's license and drive by yourself when you're <laughs> yeah, 10. So. I got mine too. <laughs> Did you? Hey, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, nice. Wow. So, boarding aside, you know, growing up with that, that was great. But yeah, I, I didn't have really too much, at least recently hands-on of a relationship with real estate. My father, back in the day, he did have some apartments and some some single-family homes that he rented out. But unfortunately, it all kind of went downhill 2008, 2009. You know, everything kind of went downhill back then. And uh, yeah, he's not doing it anymore, long story short. Like, he's okay and everybody's fine. But I had to kind of 
teach myself and make it happen, you know, one way or another. So through Bigger Pockets podcasts and listen to over a hundred of them and, and through YouTube and just books, audiobooks, all that fun stuff. You can teach yourself anything, of course, but I feel like I can can talk about real estate comfortably. Of course, doing it's the other part, which I'm making happen now. But yeah, you, you can teach yourself and I did. So yeah, it's not that hard. I have to ask, how did that not scare you that <laughs> your dad kind of had his investment portfolio wiped out and here you are wanting to do that? Because that's the main story. That's the main story we hear, Tim, right? That's where we hear like, oh, well, my uncle got into real estate or my dad got into real estate or my brother got into real estate and I saw them crash and burn. So real estate's terrible. Don't do it, right? Right. So, yeah, exactly. Like Ashley said, how did you get over that fear? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, my dad will be the first to tell you that he he probably was a little over leveraged or maybe kind of put too many of his eggs into one basket at the time. But then again, who could have predicted what was going to happen? I mean, when it happened, right. it happened fast and everybody kind of got caught. Uh, not everybody, but certainly a lot of people who didn't necessarily do something wrong. But there are obviously important lessons that can be learned from what happened back then. And there are tighter regulations now that hopefully are preventing the same thing from happening. And I mean, I remember like I was, I, I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 back then. Like I, I remember it, it was tough. I mean, for everybody, my friends, my family specifically, it, there were tough times, you know, knowing that unemployment rate was 10% or more and, and everybody was losing their, their, their hat. But I knew that if done right with a little bit of some precautions kind of built into it and, you know, learning from a couple of mistakes that some people made, a couple of misfortunes that some people had. It was a combination of a lot of things, but I think there's lessons to be learned. And that being said, there are also lots of people who didn't lose everything back then who, again, were maybe lucky or, or anticipated it or, or had already been through something like that decades before who, who equally didn't have the end of the world be upon them during that time. So it could go either way, but with some knowledge and a little bit of experience, I think it, it didn't scare me. I just knew that I had to be a little bit more careful, maybe. What are, do you have a couple tips that you could give everyone just uh, what you're doing to protect your portfolio? Like you had mentioned, your dad maybe was a little over leveraged. You know, do you have a couple tips of things you're doing now in case there is another crash? Sure. So full disclosure, because we haven't mentioned it yet, I'm just about to hopefully close on my first duplex. You know, it's under contract and the lending's all taken care of, which is great. But one thing that I did was rather than try to put as little money down, which don't get me wrong, is a viable method, especially sometimes in the beginning or, or even later on. But I put 20% down on this loan. It's conventional. You don't want to have to deal with mortgage insurance, which again, isn't always a bad thing. You can mm -hmm. use it to your advantage. There are pros and cons to low money down versus a traditional 20%. But anyways, for my end, I said, you know what, for my first property and who knows what's going to happen six months or a year from now, it's an election year. Everyone's talking about the economy, of course, because we've been doing so well, except for last week. I, I put 20% down. So that way I would ha almost have like a bit of an anchor uh, or, or a bit of a foundation, so to speak, that couldn't really be swept out from underneath me so easily. You know, I, I happen to think that if you only put three and a half percent down like that on an FHA loan or three or 5% down on a conventional loan, that's great. It can get your foot in the door, but you don't really have a grasp necessarily of that property. And, and maybe that loan could be called easily, or it could just be taken out from underneath you. And especially your payments will then be higher. Of course, you know, basic math will tell you if, if you've got a vacancy for longer than you expected, the economy goes down and the job market crashes, that could be hard. So I, I said, you know what, I've got some money now. I've been saving lately. I'm okay right now. I'm going to put a full 20% in right now to, to lower my mortgage and, and my monthly payments. So, you know, if I do have more vacancies than I expect, or unexpected, you know, capex and, and things like that. I can, on a month-to-month -month basis, 
not have to pay X amount of hundred, hundreds of dollars more each month right off the bat. Of course, it's a, it's a tough bullet to bite in the beginning, putting a full 20% down. But my plan would be hopefully in a year, if I can save more money or if I have a good season with my other job, buy another property and then gauge it from there. Maybe I'll only put five or 10% down on my next one, but then at least I know I've got this one that's already got over 20%. And then maybe I might be able to take a, a HELOC out, um, home equity line of credit on this one after I build even more. Oh, look at that. Yeah. yeah. So I love HELOCs, bro. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So yeah, Tim, I mean, that's, it's crazy because I use the same concept. What I like to do is the same thing. I put 20% down on all my rental properties and I know that's not okay. you know, typical. That's not sexy. If you will, most people are like, Oh, how do I put the least amount of money down? So mm-hmm. I try to stay a little bit away from those conversations because I do the same thing, Tim. I put 20% down on most, if not all of my rental properties. And when I get to about 40%, 35, 40%, I get a line of credit on it. And that's how I, you know, and that's how I buy the next property instead of refinancing, right? So I actually sure. like that strategy better because like you said, it's a little bit more hedge against a, a correction or a recession, right? I mean, you have like 25, 30% down as soon as you buy the property. So like I said, you know, the economy would have to drop that much in that city before you're even flatlined, right? Yeah. And for those listening who don't know what a HELOC is, it's a home equity line of credit. So basically you get a certain amount of money that you can pull off and usually it's interest only payments until you pay it back. And that's added on top of your mortgage. So say you have a house valued at $100,000 and your mortgage is $40,000. They may let you take, you know, another twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000, that line of credit to have, you know, depending on the bank, your credit score, all of that. But just the that's how I buy, Felipe buys, and that's how Tim wants to buy, correct, <laughs> is using these line of credits. So you're taking the cash from there, pulling it off, making the purchase, a cash purchase, or as Felipe does, using that as your 20%, and then you're going back and paying it off. Tim, so mm-hmm. before we go on here, you do have the property in mind that you want to talk about, right? The goods. Certainly, Yes. It's under contract, hopefully due to close by the end of this month. The lending is pretty much squared away at this point. Right down the road, I can almost see it from here, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, I got it in mind. I've seen that person. I've been there. I checked it out. The documents are signed. It's it's almost as real as it can get before I actually get the keys in my hand, so to speak. Of course, who knows what could happen on closing day. We've all heard stories, but yeah, it's, it's uh, making it happen. (laughs) Well, let's, let's dig into it a little more. So how did you find it? What is it? I mean, give us the story on this rental property you know, dig into the nitty gritty, man. Sure. So the way I found this property was at the end of my last summer season, you know, September, suddenly I didn't have to work all day, every day anymore. So I was looking on Zillow and then I was looking on realtor.com and trying to find listings, sorting all the stuff for free. Just go on those websites and just sort by multifamily. If that's what you're looking for, whatever criteria you need. And I was, I found a few, there, there are, there were some multifamilies in the area, but I kind of dragged my feet a little bit. I was tiptoeing around thinking about it and next to, you know, offers were being put on them and I'm missing out on them. So I said, you know what, maybe now's not the right time. So I did what anybody would do. And I 
bought a one-way ticket to the Republic of Georgia and then took off for, for six months. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was my plan, at least. I said, figure this out in the spring. But anyways, fast forward a month or two later, and I'm riding buses and trains out there in Azerbaijan and Turkey. And, and I started downloading a, a bunch of podcasts from Bigger Pockets and, and other real estate podcasts out there. Because you know, you're on this bus on a windy road for two, four, six, eight hours sometimes. You wow. know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. Yeah. You're looking over the edge and there's like literally a cliff right there. So I need something to keep my mind busy. So I started listening to podcasts. I, I, I know your guys' voices. It sounds funny and, and kind of creepy to say, but I, I've heard you guys on, on the podcast yourself and now I'm seeing you. So that's good. So I said, you know what? Like this wasn't all just, it wasn't just a possibility back then. Like I can make it a reality. Like I'm listening to these other people just like me. I mean, you guys, what's the big difference between you or, or me or, or anybody else who's listening? I mean, we're all, it's, exactly. it's, it's like that, superpower. It's that <laughs> aha moment. If if you're doing it, why can't I? And that was the same for me with the investor I was working for was he can do it. Why can't I? And I think that's such a powerful message. And that's a powerful why as to if you look at the people doing it and listen to them, that you're right. There's nothing special about them. It's just that they put what they were learning into action. They took that first step. I, I think yeah. you're right. Uh, you're right when you say that. So, anyways, long story short, there's only so much progress you can make when you're staying at a ten dollar hostel in Istanbul, or when you're twelve hours time difference and and all that. So I said, you know what? I'm coming home. I'm gonna hit the ground running, so to speak, and 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 make it happen in person. So, anyways, yeah, I, I flew back home from Egypt in, in January, and literally the first thing I did the next morning was I jumped in the car and and I said, there's, there's got to be some properties around here that I'm, you know, it's winter. It's the dead of winter. You know what upstate New York is. It's cold. It's dark. It's a tundra. Yeah. Like nobody's coming or going. Like it's, there's not much going on. But I said, there's got to be something for sale that's either off the market or not listed or for sale by owner. Or I, I was like, I'm going to start talking to the mailman. I'm going to go to the post office. I'm going to talk to the nice people at the town. You know, these are small towns where I live, by the way, you know, only a couple thousand people max who live in these towns. So you talk to the butcher, like literally, or if you walk into, you know, the diner and start asking around, like somebody's going to know somebody who might be trying to sell something. So what kind of questions did you ask them then? Just, hey, do you know, like the mailman, hey, are you taking mail to any vacant houses or <laughs> yeah the, I luckily I found one pretty quickly just driving on my own but Mike I had a list of questions ready to go I was you, you ever see the movie up in the beginning when the uh the little boy scout knocks on the door and he's like reading the list he's like good afternoon sir yeah I am a little bit, you know I, I felt like I was gonna be like that but <laughs> I had the list kind of written out and I would have asked things like hey you live around here right or you first just gotta establish the fact you, you don't want to make the mistake of talking to the random guy driving through town mm-hmm. who's sitting at the diner because you know that would just be a waste of everybody's time but you just say like, hey are you from around here and then of course i would have just within the first minute just segued into like hey when you say it out loud i'm a real estate investor and like i have a distinct memory in my mind the first time i actually said that out loud yeah. even though i really wasn't yet like they don't know what right, you got to lose right, you know yeah. it's, it was easier to talk to a stranger about it than it would have been to tell like my friends or family because then they would have been like well what do you mean you're really a real estate investor i didn't know this about you everyone else yeah. would just believe you so so I said, like, hey, I'm a real estate investor. I'm looking to buy multifamily property. I knew what I wanted. That's the other You're thing. You're putting it, it out into the universe. I know Felipe is a big believer about that, right, Felipe? Putting stuff out into the universe. And that's <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah, I actually wrote yeah. that down, Tim. You know, there's power in words. And, and to all our listeners, what you just said is key, man, where you were like, you know, I just started telling people that I was a real estate investor. You know, just whether you are or you're not, there is power in saying, hey, I'm a real estate investor. I'm going to do this. And the more you say it, the more even you yourself believe it. You know, I would say it more for myself even than for the person that was listening. (laughs) Right, Tim? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, 
I think everybody kind of knows this. If you start going to the gym, if you tell everybody that you're going to the gym, you're more likely to keep going. And then you, then it just becomes, again, a, a self-fulfilling cycle. People start asking you about it, like, hey, how's the gym going? Or, hey, how's real estate going? And next thing you know, you've got people, well-meaning people who care about you or even strangers who are asking you. And then it just it becomes a reality. So anyways, long story short, I, I kind of knew what I was looking for. I, I had done some research by, again, listening to podcasts and reading all sorts of articles, watching videos, and I could kind of talk to talk and now I was transitioning into walking the walk, so to speak, which is it's a bit of a, a leap at first, but even the first part, just even learning how to learning what a HELOC is and you can read it a hundred times and you, you can define it even maybe, but until you can explain it to somebody else, that's usually a test of if you actually know what you're talking about, right? So anyways, I ended up driving around town and went down every side street roads I never even saw in this town called Warrensburg, just up the road from Lake George. I normally just drive through it on my way to go skiing. But I said, you know what? If I'm going to do something I never have, I got to go check out some places that I've never seen before. You got you to do things that you never done if you want to get what you didn't, you never had, right? I think the quote mm-hmm. was something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paraphrase that. So anyways, I, I checked out every single side street in that town and I couldn't find anything. And then I just kind of pulled over on the main street side of the road and I was looking out my window and lo and behold on main street, if I just drove to go skiing. I would have seen if I did what, you know, I normally did that time. I would have seen it. There was a for sale by owner sign in front of this house. And I said, Oh my God, it looks like a duplex. It is a duplex. And I, and, it, and, and there was a website on the sign there is Adirondack for sale by owner. Adirondack is the name of the state park here where we live. And, and I, I had my, I just put my phone out and went to the website and found it. And I was like, okay, the address is matched. This is it. Oh man, it's 2000 square feet. I, I learned a bunch of stuff about it while looking at it. And I was like, okay, it's 2000 square feet. It's a duplex. The downstairs have recently been renovated. I'm looking at it. It's got a slate roof. It looks like it was, it's about, it was built in 1920. And all, all of a sudden I, I know uh, all this stuff about this property and there's a phone number there. And I said, I'm going to call this person. So I called right away. And, uh, 10 minutes later, after speaking to their assistant, turns out the owner was a lawyer. He called me back because he had been in a meeting, I guess. And I had a 25 minute conversation on the phone with this guy. And I, by then I had already known like all types of questions that I would have needed to ask at that point. I was asking questions about the heating, air conditioning, all the stuff that you learn if you listen to enough podcasts and do enough research, you you know what to ask. You know what all these other real estate pros or Joes are asking. So I, I just kind of fired off a list of things that I know everybody else asks and, and he picked up right away, like, oh, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. Uh, little did he know, I, I really didn't. But uh, he answered all my questions. He was nice enough. I mean, he wants to sell it, right? So what is he going to do? Like, not listen to you and not call you back? So it's like, but he wouldn't have called me first. He didn't know I was looking. So I had to make that first step. And next thing you know, uh, fast forward, I, I saw the property and, and hopefully going to own it in the next four weeks. <laughs> now, when you were talking to him, did he add any value to you? Just talking with another real estate investor where there's just in that 25 minute conversation, things that he might've recommended to you or said to you that just resonated from interacting with another investor? Well, it turns out that he's, of course, I don't know for a fact, but he, he's in his 60s. You know, he's a lawyer. It seems like he's kind of getting ready to retire. So here's here I am attempting to kind of start my my real estate passive investment career. And he's kind of at the tail end. Trying, he mentioned he's trying to sell off some of his other properties as well. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of two opposites, but we both kind of had what the other person wanted, so to speak. And he kind of knew what the next question I was going to ask going down yeah. the line before I even finished. And he said, well, now that I told, just told you about the electrical, and now I should tell you about the plumbing. Like he, he knew what I was going to ask. So if you're the type of person who's looking to buy a house from a homeowner, but you've never been a homeowner before, or if you're looking to buy a property from an investment owner, they, they know how it goes. They, they already are right. in that position. And this, by the way, this is the first home or anything that I'm buying. So it's kind of, 
you know, some people listening right now might already be a homeowner. You probably already know way more than I do. You know the different types of heating and cooling systems. You know the pros and cons of them. I didn't even know what a forced air oil furnace was until I saw that saw the one there for the first time, you know, and then I had to quickly <laughs> figure out how they work. So probably know a little bit more than you think if you're listening to this, especially, you know, me just being a single guy who doesn't even have his own place yet. So it's it's not that hard to to uh, talk the talk, I guess I, I keep saying. Now, did you? I want to make sure that you told him when he's ready to sell his other properties, he's going to come to you first, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he he knows. I, I told him. I, I I said to him. I said, "This is the start of hopefully a a career of mine that I'm side career, so to speak, side gig that I'm trying to make happen." And I do know the other properties that he that he might be selling or, or will be selling. So yeah, yeah ho- hopefully he does call me. That's you're yeah. right. <laughs> Tim, let me let me ask yes. you the question that I and can imagine that our listeners want to know. Okay. When you initially were going to call this gentleman, you obviously had no idea the caliber of who this guy was. How did you hype yourself up to call him? Because a lot of people, that is one of their biggest fears. And past that is what you wanted. That's a, there's a there's a fun quote there somewhere. There's I'm sure that what you want is on the other side of fear. I'm sure there's a quote there. Sure, but sure, but sure. seriously, like I feel like a lot of people would be scared to make that phone call, including myself, right? It's like, do you know anything about the guy? You're literally just cold calling this guy and saying, can I buy your property? <laughs> so tell us about that. Yeah. So I'll be honest and and nobody will know this, but when I drive around, even in general, when I'm just driving around by myself, people singing or singing in the shower, I talk to myself out loud or I pretend I'm talking to somebody. And it could be even a difficult conversation that I know I have to have with a friend or a family member, or it could be anything. Like I kind of just talk out loud when I'm by myself when I'm driving. Practicing for this podcast interview. Well, yeah, yeah. To be honest, on my way here, I was absolutely. So if you are worried about putting it out in the universe, saying things out loud. Maybe the first time that you say these words shouldn't be directly to the person who you're already possibly even a little nervous about talking to or potentially talking to. So yeah, if you're, a lot of us have time to ourselves, hopefully during the day at one point or the other, go for a walk, drive your car, whatever, just talk out loud and just pretend you're having a, a fake conversation. That way your, your own voice doesn't kind of scare you when you first pick up the phone. And you know, we've all been there. Like, I, I guess what I, some other points that I should make are, is that I was polite. I, I spoke clearly and calmly, and I just said, "Hey, good afternoon." Uh, I, I introduced myself. You know, it's what you learn, like in kindergarten, when you learn how to write a letter. You, dear Mister, mm-hmm. dear Madame, like you just start with the basics. People's phones are ringing off the hook these days with telemarketers and people trying to sell them stuff. So if you just say, "Like, hey, my name's Tim Gudis. I'm, I'm from Lake George, and I understand you have a property for sale." Um, I'm actually sitting out in front of it right now. I was wondering if you had some time right now to tell me a little bit about it, and and that's actually a good thing that I've learned. Through my through my jobs and and through being an entrepreneur in general is you you should introduce yourself tell them what you want to talk about and ask them if they have time to speak all within the first like seven seconds in the first breath that way it's not like like yes the ball's in their court because it's their time to speak but it's not just like uh, hey how you doing like can you tell me right now all about your property and, and who knows they, they might they might be holding a baby they might have a client on the other line or in front of them right there they might be stepping out of the office it might be their lunch break and and you don't want it to be a confrontational first conversation you have with that person. It's supposed to be just an inquiry, of course. Mm-hmm. So then their response could be a number of things like, hey, Tim, like I'm happy you called, but I can't speak right now. How about we talk in two hours? Or actually, I do have 10 minutes. Is that okay? If, if you just, in your first breath, you know, 
pass the ball to them, but don't make them feel like they need to then kind of like carry the conversation and make a difficult decision right then and there. Because they don't know who you are, even though you you just kind of told them real quick. They might tell you any number of things, but you just don't want to come off as aggressive in the first couple seconds, I guess, or even accidentally aggressive or just confused. You just got to be confident and just be respectful right out of the gate. And and if they are, you could, might even be able to learn a little bit about them, how they respond, if they might even be somebody you want to work with, if they just sound like they're already annoyed. And it's like, well, if they were annoyed, it's like, well, why do you have that sign up? Why do you want to sell it if you're not even willing to talk to somebody who's going to call? So, you know, they already put all the effort in by hopefully putting the sign up and putting their phone number out there. They, they shouldn't be annoyed or upset or angry or aggressive towards somebody out of the blue calling them because that's what they're asking for in the first place. For those of you who are listening, if you've ever worked in customer service or anything like that, when you're on the phone with people, they'll teach you this, you know, like in the first day, like if you, if you literally smile, I mean, you sound like a, you, you might be laughing to yourself, like by yourself on the phone, but if you're physically are smiling like this, like people can hear that. And, and it's just kind of a, a cue that, you know, you are aggressive, but as opposed to like, if you were kind of slouched down or like laying down or like your, your body language and what you do with your body directly can be conveyed through your words, especially even if you can't see them. Of course, you know, we can see each other right now in this podcast, but when you call somebody out of the blue, they can't see you, you can't see them. So if you're smiling, it'll, it'll come off as better. I think this is such a great tip. You're actually giving people kind of a script to follow here when they are going to call (laughs) someone and that that's very valuable. But I, as a landlord, when I've listed apartments for rent and I have people just like message me saying, price question mark or you know just <laughs> something like that i i definitely look at the people more who are hi my name is even though you know on their email address is basically their name mm. you know mm. i ha- i'm looking for this place for my mother and kind of introduce themselves just like you said and i think to me those people stand out to me than someone who just like dogs okay question mark you know and I I think that kind of relates to when you want to be the buyer to a seller how you should interact with them too those are really great points I agree I don't even answer the people that just send like one word with a question mark I'm just like yeah no that's not gonna right you you only really want to deal with somebody who's putting in some effort themselves already and and, even just to the email geez (laughs) yeah I know it's not that hard hey Tim so (laughs) just to get back on track with the deal you know give us the numbers on the property the property, I'm purchasing it for $112,500. Again, I'm putting 20% down on it. And with closing costs, estimating around $26,000, $27,000, including you know, $500, $600 appraisal. That's, by the way, out of your pocket right away that you kind of have to pay in cash. Can't re- some other things, sometimes you can finance in some closing costs you know, with seller concessions, but in this case, I'm not. But anyways, so $26,000, $27,000 kind of to get my foot in, so to speak. Again, a, a lot of that is by design to have some equity right right away right the downstairs and well it's a two unit by the way i don't know if i'm it's a duplex yep so the downstairs is currently rented for 660 dollars per month uh, it was recently renovated by the current owner about a year and a half ago the upstairs is currently rented for 595 dollars a month and they're both are long-term tenants at least a couple of years upstairs tenant might have already been there for six or seven years the seller he knows what he's doing. He switched them to month-to-month leases when he put it on the market, of course, to give more options to potential buyers. So I, I know that this property is inhabited right now. That's that's one thing. You know, I don't know for my first deal if I would have been comfortable buying a foreclosed property or a place that no one had even turned the water on or the electricity hasn't been on in six or 10 months. Like, yeah, there can be deals out there to be found. And I am excited maybe down the road when I have more experience to tackle one of those. But uh, I don't know if I wanted to deal with that type of stuff right away. So I know people are living in it right now. Clearly, it's in decent enough shape. 
Uh, let's see, property and school taxes altogether for the full year are about $3,000. Although in New York State, um, we do have something called the STAR program, which is like a credit that if you are living in that property as your primary residence, which by the way, I will be doing, this is going to be an owner-occupied house hack. Again, if you want to follow along with all those different terms. Anyways, long story short, you should be able to get a, a few hundred dollars maybe back on your school taxes, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for if you, if you live in that property, which you wouldn't be entitled to if it was just an investment property that you weren't living in. So I could expect to hopefully get that number maybe down to $2,700, $2,800 a month. I started, you know, it's, by the way, all the stuff is free to look, look up. You can just go, you can just talk to the town or the county, the tax assessor, and that's their job. That's why you pay your taxes is for them to, you know, keep all these public records. So I called them up and I was like, hey, one, two, three Main Street. What's the uh, assessed value? How long has the title been in the current owner's name? So I can find out when the last time it was sold with the tax assessed value. What is the tax rate? And then how is that broken down into county tax, school tax, fire tax, you know, all the different taxes. And then it's just a simple mathematical equation. They usually give you this number, 10, 15, 20, $30, depending on where you're from, times every $1,000 uh, that the property is assessed at. And then next thing you know, you know exactly what the taxes are. You know, taxes, of course, are complicated um, as you want to make them, but it's not that hard to, to figure some of these numbers out. And, and on that same note, I just went online to Allstate and State Farm and, and uh, to all these other homeowners insurance websites. And they it's in their best interest to give you free quotes because they want to earn your business. So I just started typing in all the information that I found out or knew about this property from the public record and from talking to the owner to get home insurance quotes. So it looks like it might be anywhere between 70 and $80 a month for homeowners insurance. Again, considering that I will be living there, that, you know, that there's a tenant. For those of you who's never never been down that road before. You ask you questions like, what's the finishing on the floors and the, and the tile and uh, the roof? They, they want to know if it's got granite countertops and crystal ball chandeliers, or if it's a little tired, you know, in the case of this property, it's a hundred years old. So at least, at least the guts of it have been updated, like the plumbing and the electrical. So anyways, they ask you all those questions, you, you get these numbers. And yeah, long story short, I know I said a, a lot more there than I probably should have, but the mortgage after putting 20% down, uh, hopefully will, and again, including taxes and the homeowner's insurance should be around $700, $725 a month. And again, I will be moving into that upstairs apartment. I didn't say that prior, but the idea would then to be rehab and update that one who ha- hasn't been, I'll tell you, it's pretty tired up there. It needs to be redone. So with the downstairs apartment, are you going to raise their rent at all? So looking at the, I'm going to be looking at the rent rolls to see when and if they have been raised in in recent past. And of course, you know, it's free for that matter. I'm glad you brought that up to just go on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace uh, to see what other people, what people are getting for rents everywhere else. And I mean, if, if the neighbors and other one bedroom apartments down the street are all getting 650 and I'm getting 660, then it probably looks like I, I have a decent deal and I don't want to scare this tenant away when it's time to sign them to a one-year lease when I take ownership because right now they're on a year-to-year lease. I want them to stay. They probably want to stay too. But if I were to say, hey, not only do you got to sign this new lease, but I'm raising the rent by 25 30 $40, could scare them away. So it's a good idea to kind of know what the comps are, as we say. And then the idea would be after rehabbing the upstairs, which has the potential to have a couple extra bedrooms, and it's, it's a little bigger, after I move out within a year, which is my current plan, because an owner-occupied loan, you're supposed to legally live there for, you got to move in within the first 60 days and you have to live there for a full year. Otherwise, you know, it's essentially mortgage fraud, which you don't want to get into on your first <laughs> ever deal. Yeah. Or in general, yeah. it's not a good idea to break the law. Uh, and, and I don't tend to do things we like that. We don't recommend that uh, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we do not recommend you break the law. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, it's a, that's a good piece of advice, right? So anyways, after I move out later on, hopefully raise the rents on that to maybe $700 a month. And then if you do the math, 
60 plus potentially $700 or so, $700, $725 a month mortgage could cash flow pretty decently, you know? So that's the plan at least. Tim, have you talked to the tenants that are going to be there? Like, did you get to know them? It was that part of your due diligence. How does that work where you're at? Because I know we get that question a lot. You know, sure. if I'm going to inherit tenants, can I talk to them before? You know, how are you going about that? And then did you just decide what side or upstairs or downstairs you were going to live in? And you're like giving the boot to one, one, of, the, one of the tenants? I mean, how, how did that go down? Yeah, so, so good question. Of course, when there are tenants in a place when it's fully occupied, like I mentioned before, A, that's good because you know, like at least somebody's living there and, and it's hopefully in decent shape. But B, it also means that you probably don't have up-to-date pictures of what it looks like, or you know, maybe even the owner hasn't even been there, been in there in a few months. You might just not do that, which could be a good or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. So, anyways, of course, I wanted to get a walkthrough in the property. And that's another thing when I spoke to the owner on the phone, I said, Hey, how much notice your tenants need before you can, of course, they know it's for sale because their leases got switched. How much notice do they need before we can get in there? And he said, Well, we usually give them 48 hours notice because they work, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, we got in there, but a friend of mine who's basically knows all phases of construction, that's what he does for a living. I don't, you know, I can swing a hammer. I know some basic stuff, but I brought a friend with me who knew what he was doing and does it every day. Like he, he lives, eats and sleeps and breathes construction. And then I brought a, a friend's father who used to be a home inspector. He used to do that for a living. Uh, he currently isn't, but he's, he's inspected over 5,000 homes over the course of his previous career. I, I kind of brought the big guns with me who knew what they were knew what they were doing because I like I said before I didn't even know what a forced air uh, <laughs> hot air uh, oil furnace was before I even got in there. So, anyways, we we spoke. The, I spoke to the owner who spoke to the tenants who then told us what day that we could get in there. And then I went back and talked to my friends and said, "Hey, you know, are you guys available next week at this time?" Blah blah blah. So we got in there, and then I, it became very apparent, apart from what I heard from the owner and from what I kind of read on that listing website, that yes, the downstairs was pretty good. I didn't really have to touch it. It had been new. It had been updated. Meanwhile, the upstairs was just tired. It just hadn't still standing, and people are living there. Don't get me wrong, but needs new floors. Um, probably needs some new appliances. There's still some plastic. It doesn't even have drywall on a lot of the walls upstairs. It's just it's that old. So it just it just needs some work. And and it was very apparent that like okay, like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to want to keep the one that's already getting the, the tenant who's already paying more, you know, in rent by $65, I'm going to leave them there. Cause of course it's 65 extra dollars and it's already been renovated. What's the value there? So, and, and by the way, I, this is kind of the angle I was shooting for knowing that this was going to be my first deal. Anyways, I wasn't looking for turnkey and I wasn't looking for, again, a foreclosed property with the hadn't been lived in recently. I was kind of trying to find something in the middle mm-hmm. if, if that's the best way to put it. And, and I think I found that and met them that one of the tenants was home during that time, met them. They're very nice. Of course, it might be very likely that in the next 60 days, I'm going to have to not renew their month-to-month lease, which is probably a better way to put it than like, it's not really an eviction. Right. I don't think that's the right way to put it. It's just like, hey, you know, you're on a month-to-month lease and, and I now own this property, just so you know, we won't be renewing your lease, which is kind of a nicer, more legal way, I guess, way to say like, sorry, but you gotta, you gotta move. And, and you know, I'm going to be upfront with them and just say like, Hey, that that's the plan. And, and really do love this place. Maybe in, in, the, in 10 months when it's all fixed up, I, I'd be happy to take you back. And I, you just want to have that relationship with them, hopefully. Cause again, it's a small town up here where I live. It's not too many, everybody kind of knows everybody. There's a lot of connections. So you don't want to any one of those steps in the process, you, you, you want to be respectful. And, and, you know, if they're mature and they would understand the situation, obviously it wouldn't be ideal for them, but they, they got to know that that's kind of how, how things could work when you're a renter and when that property eventually goes up for sale. And, and by the way, I also want to have a good relationship with them. So that way I could ask them like, Hey, if you were going to update this place on your own, they've lived there for six or seven years, they kind of treat it like their home. 
what should I fix? What, what's been leaking for the last you know, month or what, which floors are squeaky? Or, you know, um, you know they might, they've been looking at the kitchen for the last seven years. They might say like, man, this place would look great if it had this color flooring or that color that because the sun sets over there and then the lighting's good, you know, stuff that I don't even know because I haven't even lived in there yet. I've only stepped foot in the place once and I'm trying to come up with all these ideas, but who knows it better than the tenants. So hopefully I can have a good relationship with them as good as I can. Now for the upstairs, are you going to do the renovations yourself or are you going to hire most of it out? Good question. So again, I, I have some basic remodeling like experience. You know, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in, in really anything, anything yeah. in life. I, I, I tend <laughs> to know a little bit about a lot of things. <laughs> that's kind of my, my MO out there as I, uh, as, as that's how I live my life. But I think flooring, I think I can tackle that. No problem. Yeah. You know, you YouTube. Grab a, you, go on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. You just go on YouTube. There's other, other people have done this stuff already. Like I don't need to reinvent the wheel yeah. or pretend like I need to figure it out on my own. Someone else already figured it out who's way smarter than I am and was nice enough to make all these videos. Yeah, investor girl, Britt. Do you know her? I follow her. Yeah, on Instagram. If you guys need DIY tips, go to at investor girl, Britt. She's got a lot of great uh, videos on there to do different stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy you mentioned that because if anybody out there who's got, most of us have Instagram and Facebook and you are thinking about getting into real estate, are you following other people who are actually doing it? If you're spending your free time looking 100% at other people's pictures that might be nice, but don't have anything, any value to you, then then you're, you're not really doing yourself a favor. So I would recommend anybody listening right now, just go go follow you know five or 10 or 15 accounts of other people like you and I who are doing it themselves. And then they'll not only give you some tips, but then you can kind of feel like you're doing it too and you won't see that it's that hard. So yeah, long story short, I'm going to be trying to do as much as I can by myself. I'm going to have some friends who might owe me some favors or I'll help them where I can with other things and they'll help me. Because again, I, I don't, I'm not rich. I don't have a ton of money. I don't think I'm going to be doing a, a $50,000 rehab with a general contractor and subcontractors and all that right out of the gates. I think I'm going to be, what do we, you guys call it, you know, sweat equity. I think I hear that term all the time. It's when you you kind of do the, you put in the sweat and the the blood and the tears yourself and and then you're better off for it. And then maybe 10 properties down the line or five properties down the line, maybe I won't have to, or it won't be worth my time to do that anymore. But right now it is worth my time. So, because again, because I don't have too much money. So that's the plan. (laughs) No, I think it's great that you have, you know, friends around you that are willing to help you. And I was thinking before when you talked about, you know, your friend's dad coming as a home inspector and your other construction friend, I bet they were more than happy to help you. I bet they were just almost excited as you are that you're getting into this venture and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, think about it from your own perspective. If if a friend or even a stranger in the street came up to you and asked you for help, like you would say yes, or you would do what you could. And then especially if you kind of, I don't want to say like tickle or stroke their ego, so to speak, but like if you know someone who's into construction, chances are if you ask them about construction, they're going to get all fired up about it and they're not going to shut up about it because <laughs> yeah. they like it. You, and whereas if you ask somebody who doesn't care about that at all, like they're, they're not even going to entertain the conversation. So yeah, and, and that's all that... that relates to anything in life, I guess. I'm not an expert at like accounting or QuickBooks or anything like that, but I have some friends who are accountants, so I'm sure I'm going to ask them some tips. And then of course, hopefully get to a point where I could give them something in return and just make it and make it a win-win for everybody. I'm not asking, I'm asking them for an hour of their time. Hey, could you come check out this property with me on your day off? And if they don't have anything better to do or, or, you know, they're your friend, right? So you would do it for them. So they would do it for you. And and they did in my case, at least.
When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch stage to the first order stage to the did we just sell out the whole store stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Well, now that you're thinking of all these people that have helped you <laughs> through your first deal, um, yeah. I want to take you to our segment. And um, sure. this is where we highlight someone on your team who was really a key player for you. So we call this segment the MVP, MVP, MVP. <laughs> <laughs> who would you say is the most valuable player so far? in your real estate job? Probably so far, the person who's given me some advice right here, right now, who has helped me right here, right now, would have been my friend's dad, Peter, who was a home inspector. Like I said, he's, he's inspected over 5,000 homes. He's seen everything and anything, every possible condition, expertise that can't find elsewhere uh, without paying a, a pretty penny for it. And again, this is my first deal. So Peter, thank you for your help. And, and again, I was bouncing questions off of him that helped me directly decide if I wanted to buy this property or not. And again, I've got other friends who are giving me shoulda, coulda, wouldas for the future. But Peter helped me right here, right now, and, and helped me decide to buy this property. And I might not have bought it if I didn't have somebody like him to uh, give me that advice. Now, did you know... That's exactly what an yeah. MVP is. <laughs> Most valuable Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know before the deal that he was in home inspector, like before you even started in real estate or, and how yeah, did you like come in? How did you even ask him like, Hey, would you help me on this deal? Sure. Sure. So it happened. It was just a coincidence, you know, that I, that I knew him and that's what he happened to do. But, you know, I was, have been best friends with this son for, you know, over 10 or 12 years. We used to wrestle in high school together. So and I'm 28 years old and I'm about to celebrate my 10th anniversary graduate from high school, like time flies, but they, some of these, you know, people that you grew up with, they still look at you like, you know, little Timmy or, or your friend's friend. So their son's friend, they're willing to help you. They want to help you. They want to see you make big moves. And I guess I should go back to the point when I was on this trip most recently, you know, again, backpacking, traveling, I was had notes on my phone, like, Hey, who can I ask for this? Who knows this? Who knows that? Who's an electrician? My best, my other friend of mine, who's a room I got this all set up in, whose house I've invaded for this podcast. He's an electrician, uh, and you better believe I'm going to ask for his nice. advice when I have to redo some wiring or, or you know, replace an outlet at this new place. And then, of course, I'm going to help him do anything he knows. So, anybody out there listening, like you, you, you have some friends, you have some family, you have coworkers, you have friends of friends, friends, spouses who do this. Like the the network is out there, and I think this goes back to putting it out there in the universe and saying it out loud, you might not know that this person that you've been working with in whatever job for the last year, their brother might be an expert at something. But if you just never mention in passing to this one person that you know that you're becoming a real estate investor or that you're going to buy a property, 
they wouldn't say it. The odds of them saying it to you casually or coincidentally are really low. So if you put it out in the universe, you might get lots of people piping in or seeing how they can help or knowing who they could recommend to you. Yep. That's perfect. Leveraging who you know, what Mm. you know, putting it all Mm. together definitely makes the deal work. So we're going to move on a little bit here, Tim. We're going to get to probably one of my, I would say my second favorite, (laughs) if not my first (laughs) segments of this podcast. It's called the rookie request line, right? So this is where we take a question from a rookie in our audience. And you guys can reach us anytime at 1-888-5-ROOKIE to leave a voicemail. We might use it on the next show. All right, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. This sounds kind of fun. Hi, guys. My name is Packy. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And my question is for beginners is, what's the best way to analyze deals? Obviously, listen to the podcast. And then, you know, David always, you know, suggests that picking specific niches. But, you know, once you found that and you're definitely trying to get ready in, uh, in regards to numbers, what is the best approach to analyzing, you know, deals and whatnot? I appreciate your guys' time. Thanks. Bye. My answer would be some of the, the same answers I gave earlier, which were see what you can find on the public record by calling the town or the county offices to see what you can pull up. Of course, if the if the property is already for sale and on the market, whether you know with a realtor or for sale by owner, the price should be out there. <laughs> so that's a big one. Again, you can just get free resources, again, like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist or your local, e- even the newspaper to see what comps are, what rents are, what the rents are currently being uh, rented at, excuse me, in those apartments that in, in that unit that you might be buying. You can look up utilities super easily. You can see if it's an HOA. You, the information's out there and people are making money from every angle in this process. So it's in their best interest for a lot of the information to be out there. People aren't like trying to like keep secrets because they're not going to make any money if they don't kind of let the money that's being spent and, and coming and going in these, all these equations be public. So the stuff isn't top secret. And, and if you already, if you, that's probably the hardest part. If you already know your niche, like, like uh, the, the caller uh, asked, then then just just go through some of those resources that I just mentioned. Yeah, and then a great use when you find all those resources is you can go to biggerpockets.com and use the calculator reports. Do you use those at all, Tim? I, I have. I've, I've done that. And uh, you you certainly know better than I do, but you, you can punch it. So, so suddenly you've got all this data, right? You, you know mm-hmm. what it costs, what it might cost. You, you can go to all these, you, you can see what it would cost just to see how much, you know how much money you have, you know how much money it's going to cost. You punch all this stuff into a mortgage calculator online somewhere and you've got an idea possibly with your down payment, what the mortgage will cost. And you can, again, you can look up the quotes, you, you punch in all the information and it spits out numbers and you look at a nice pie graph. I've, I've done that in bigger pockets and it, it makes it as simple and as easy as possible. And then the last thing you have to do is just do something about it. It's then you, then you call somebody or you make that first step because the information is all there and you can, there's resources out there. Yeah. I love the bigger pockets calculators. That's how I use to analyze all of my deals is it's so easy. You take, you know, the information you have, you plug it in and then poof, it gives you, you know, your cash on cash return, yeah. your cat, what your cash flow will be. Um, mm-hmm. It's very useful. So if you guys haven't checked it out yet, just pull 
property off the MLS because usually that can have all the information and may not be correct, but it will be good enough for you to practice. We will peg link to those uh, calculators and there's a flip one, a burr one, a rental property one. And they actually just got updated too. They, I know they changed them around a little bit to make them even better. It's at biggerpockets.com forward slash calc. Oh, and we'll um, link that in the show notes too at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie two. That's exactly right. Yeah. One thing I would like to mention is if you do that enough and you practice that enough, and again, it's all, it's free to do all that stuff we just mentioned. You might then not need to go through every one of those steps every time from there on out. You might be able to look at the asking price uh, of a property or see what the rents are for that property and kind of know within the first 30 seconds, you know, you hear all the examples. If you can do the math on a napkin, it'll make sense or it won't before you even have to waste your time going through all those steps, not waste your time, but spend your time on those extra steps. So do it enough, use all those free resources we just talked about, and you could be analyzing dozens of deals a day or a week, and that's what you got to do to get started. Yeah, it's like flexing a second muscle. Do I use a calculator when I first started? Yeah, I absolutely did. But since I buy such a little market, I buy within like three miles of here in in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, it's just after I've done it for so long, I don't I don't even use the calculator anymore because I've done it so many times. It's almost it takes me longer to get on to use it. But yes, when I first started, absolutely that was the way that I was able to start flexing that muscle over and over and over again, where analyzing a deal. Analyze because analyzing a deal is free. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You get a property off the MLS, you say, I think that's gonna work. You plug the numbers in, you say, this is that, you know, these are the records. And then you start figuring out ways to find those numbers quicker. And before you know it, it's just popping in your head. You're like, hey, I've literally analyzed almost this exact property a hundred times. I'm going to go ahead and offer on it. And that is how you get the rental properties. If you have a mentor too, or even someone you know that does real estate investing, send them, you know, the deal analysis, whether it's a bigger pockets calculator report or your Excel spreadsheet with all the numbers, send them the listing of the property and send them the report and say, Hey, can you just look at this real quick and, you know, see if it makes sense. See if I did it right. And, you know, maybe they'll say, you know what? I know in this market right here that you bump your insurance up or, you know, the property taxes they have listed on there isn't correct, you know, change that around and you'll get a feel for it, but just ask someone to, you know, give it a second glance because you're not asking them to analyze the deal for you, but you're giving them the information that it could take them two minutes to look it over. And that's actually what I do with one of my friends. He's like, I'm looking at this property. He'll, you know, pull all the information himself and then he'll send me the report. And I just say, you know what? I would change that, change that. He reruns it. I look at it again. Yeah, that that's better. So for anyone out there who's unsure how to analyze, at least try, 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 and then just have someone double check it for you. And you need to find someone to double check it for you. Go on Instagram, go to meetups. Um, There's plenty of investors out there who would take two minutes to overlook a deal. Just make sure they don't steal your deal if it's a really good (laughs) one. Yeah, right. I, I I agree with everything you just said. Quick quick example: when I was checking out this property of mine, hopefully mine, Peter, he looked, he took one look at it. He said, "Oh, look, you got a slate roof. That's great. Those things are bulletproof." I'm like, I, I didn't even know what a slate roof was, but that's great. Thanks for the tip. So th- that stuff will jump so if they've done it or they have an expertise. It'll jump off the page and they'll tell you stuff that you never would have been able to kind of get right off of right off the bat off of this kind of sheet of paper that's 2D. They just know, and that's that's the great thing. Yeah, Tim. So let's wrap this all up. Let's get it in a fun bow and let's have a little bit of fun here. You ready? We're going to ask you some questions that we ask here at the end. Are you ready for this? 
obviously besides me and Ashley, we are. Yeah. So two or three other people that you got to follow on social media. We talked about that earlier that you're like, guys, if you want to get involved in real estate, if you want to crush it, these are some of the key players that you think, uh, you know, some of our listeners should follow on social media. Who do you? Uh, you said it earlier, Ashley, uh, um, Investor Girl Britt. Let's see who else. Uh, Craig Curlop, I uh, follow him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, here's the thing. Like if you just follow one or two or three of these people that we're mentioning, obviously Instagram wants you to, is smart and it knows yeah. other people who do that. And you'll just get a, like a little explore tab or you'll see all these other people. Just again, follow five or 10 of them. Those are, those are real people again who are doing it. So that's, that's what I recommend. And Craig's, um, is at the Fi guy, I believe, but we'll link yeah. Craig and Investor Girl Brit's uh, Instagram accounts in the show notes. Okay, so my turn for question. I want to know what your morning routine is. <laughs> you have anything special that you do besides just getting up, brushing your teeth, and getting out the door? <laughs> I purposely get up early. Uh, I would recommend if you can, unless you know you work nights or whatever. But I, I get up early. I, I get alerts on my phone uh, from realtor.com and Zola.com. And I actually have a, I didn't mention this earlier, but I have a friend who's a realtor who of course didn't end up directly helping me with this property because it's for sale by owner, but she's been nice enough to set me up with some automatic uh, emails from the MLS, which I wouldn't have had have access to otherwise. So, you know, almost every morning I, I look at my phone and I've got a couple notifications about other properties in the area, which again, kind of sets the tone for like, yeah, you're, you're a real estate investor. This is what real real estate investors do. They look at the stuff and then it again, kind of, trains you to be able to see better deals right away. Anyways, I, I usually don't have breakfast until I've already been out for two or three hours. I just like to drink water. I actually, I've, I've probably, I could count on my hands how many cups of coffee I've drank in my whole life, like on my fingers rather. Like I, I just, I don't have any vices. I don't really drink alcohol or caffeine or anything. I don't know if I'm lucky or weird, but I, I just kind of go for water and just like a light breakfast and then just ease into it, I guess is what I would, would say as far as a routine. I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, Tim, I might get some emails after this later, but I'm going off the script a little here. Tim, if you could hashtag, if you could hashtag your real estate investing already, what would your hashtag be? It, it would probably be, it would be walk it like you talk it, which is, uh, I already said that earlier, but there's actually this, hashtag walk there, it like you talk it. Like walk it, talk it. Like it's, yeah. it's, uh, I think it's Migos featuring Drake. It's really funny. The music video. I, listen, I, uh, I hit it on, I think it was yes, either this morning or last night. It was on the radio. I know exactly what you're talking about. It, I mean, it's, those are the only lyrics basically, but it's catchy. And it, I mean, it's the real deal. Like you can only talk so much talk until you actually do it. And again, literally walk, don't dive in head first, don't run, don't sprint, but just take that first step, say out loud that you're a real estate investor and then you're, you're walking it like you're talking. It, right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Tim hashtag walk it like you talk <laughs> it. My boy. I love well, it. Well, hopefully it. when you heard that song, you practice your singing skills because oh, next up go. is a little bit of rookie hazing. What song is your guilty pleasure and can you sing a little bit of it for us? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one that I wrote down when I applied for this, it's it's not even like you're not even singing. So if I'm going to go for one, I'm, I'm, I might as, it's just the beginning. It's, it's just rapping. I might as well just go for one that's going to be totally embarrassing. I should just dive right into it. And that's just Yeah, like, just do Frank, it. I should just go for Frank Sinatra because, by the way, this is the first time I've ever had a microphone in front of me. And you guys can probably tell my voice just sounds like I don't have no business. That's why I talk to myself because nobody else wants to listen. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's sing. Okay, Frank Sinatra. Do you guys know the song "My Way" by Frank Sinatra? No, we won't right, know so, it. Any follow your lead. Is that right? Oh, I hang out with my grandparents too much. Maybe uh, if we hear it, we would know. But yeah. to say the it, name it of it, it starts off. No. It goes, and now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. 
my friend, I'll say it clear. I'll take my pl- I think I messed it up, of which I'm certain. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> good to great. us. Yeah, great awesome. job. That was perfect. Sorry, Frank. Good. more respect than that. <laughs> so if oh, people want to hear no, more of your singing and your real estate investing, where can they oh. find out more about you? And your hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, right? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram just like anybody else. Although if you follow me, it's uh, TimGoat556. That's T-I-M, Goat, G-O-A-T. Uh, the number's 556. I don't really know why that's it, but that's me. And you'll you'll just find pictures of me traveling and doing fun stuff in my life. You're not going to, hopefully when I close on this property, you'll start to see some uh, rehab pictures and videos. But in the meantime, yeah, if you have any questions or if you're ever coming to my hometown and want to go on a tour on the boat, just, just give me a, shoot me a message there and Captain Tim will take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll um, put Tim's Instagram too in the show notes at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie two. So Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We had a really great time talking with you. Hey, thank you. It was my pleasure. And it just goes to show you if you put yourself out there, you know, next thing you know, you're talking to some people that you look up to and they're, and and again, they, they want to talk to you too. So just make it happen, guys. Anybody who's listening, I'll tell you right now, and there's a lot of people, a lot of girls especially will tell you, I'm nothing special. Like, there's nothing. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just a regular guy. Like, I'm single. Like, uh, so if I girls can do will it, tell you. Was that, yeah, a, was, that, was that a plug-in? Was that a plug-in? No, I'm single? A, is that, is, was that a plug-in? I'll tell you there's a reason why, probably. Uh, do you want to mention uh, your Instagram account Tim, again? The, do you yeah, want right? <laughs> No, it's, uh, yeah, just, you could do it. There's nothing special about me, and, and you guys are great, but I don't know if you, you guys aren't super heroes or weren't born with superpowers like you right, do it right. too so uh, that's what i would say oh look at that yeah what's going on uh how you doing <laughs> just do it make it happen and that's, that's what life's about right you don't just want to be spinning your tires or doing the same thing every day i guess yeah thanks tim that that's great <laughs> advice and we've loved uh listening to you so tim is going to be part of our facebook group if you guys want to chat with him more you can find us at the real estate rookie on facebook and I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals, and he's Felipe at Felipe Mejia REI. Braving the real estate journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers correctly? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if I lose my job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. That's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head over to biggerpockets.com slash enroll me today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enroll me. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results and all host and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.